Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Hello, Bitcoiners. We're back. Had I had the week off last week. I was moving cross-country, but we are back today with another Friday Fundamentals episode. It's been somewhat of a slow news week, but we will talk about a few stories, including the drama of the culture of Bitcoin. That's everybody's uh, always gets worked up about that stuff. We'll talk about a few other news items and, of course, the price and the statistics and all that. But up front, don't forget to sign up for the Fundamentals Report because I didn't miss last week on Friday, but there was no podcast. So in those times, uh, it's really nice to be getting that report. Also, if you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. Thank you to everybody that supports the show. All right, let's get into price here a little bit. So currently on Bitstamp, we have 84.24. We had a little bit of a pullback yesterday, but man, the price just keeps going up. And if you've been listening to this show uh, for a while, I've been calling for a correction, okay? And it just makes logical sense. If you look at the volume profile, um, especially like the volume profile this year, you know, there's a few gaps in the chart. Okay. Nothing goes up in a straight line. Whales make money on volatility. So they will happily accumulate lower and dump on the retail traders that are long and uh, accumulate lower uh, in the price. So don't think we're just going to go up in this stair step fashion this time. We will be uh, having sizable corrections. Yesterday, I think it was a 12% uh, pullback, um, steadying out now only about, I think, 6 to 7%. But we will have a sizable correction at some point, whether that's somewhere between, I'm guessing it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 50%. Depends how far we go first. If we go all the way up to like all-time highs, Expect a 50% wick down to retrace most of that uh, and wreck a lot of people. You know, each market is going to be different. So we can't look necessarily at 2015 and 16 to see how this is going to exactly play out. But, you know, the sentiment and the kind of um, underwriting forces of this are going to be the same. So uh, we have to. Uh, take a look at that and keep a level head. I mean, yeah, if you are just uh, dollar cost averaging, continue to do that, uh, especially on larger pullbacks. So if you do see a 30% pullback, you know, that might be a good sign to double your monthly buy or something um, along those lines. But um, overall, I think dollar cost averaging is the way to go. Uh, and But if you want to trade, like, let's face it, um, traders, they fulfill a role and a function in this 
market, in all markets. They do that. Um, whether you're a futures trader or you're just an investor, um, stocks and bonds or Bitcoin, whatever, then you do provide a function that is in line with price discovery. Um, there is this misunderstanding where people are all against trading and they're against um, margin trading and all of that stuff. Um, I don't think it's smart for very many people to do it, but I do think the people that do it, like they do provide a very valuable function. It's also a redistributive function, right? And so people that have a better read on the market, they earn money and people that are crap traders, they lose money. And so it has this uh, uh, redistribution effect. Um, of course, whales trade against each other as well. And so whales will lose money too. Uh, they don't have a free pass, but um, for the most part right now, Bitcoin is so uh, new and so small that whales have a disproportionate um, effect on the market. Of course, there's not just one whale. So whales trade against each other. They try to take other whales' money. And whether it's a zero-sum game or not, they, they provide a function in the marketplace. Okay, anyway, so price, yes, 84.30 now. And uh, we did have this sizable pullback. Uh, we're right on, the, we bounced off of this trend line now that we have up there. Uh, let's see, where do we bounce off of it? Around 8,000 is where we bounced off of it. We're coming up to the 21 simple moving average, daily simple moving average. And we have, that has been a very nice support throughout this entire run up. If you look at my charts on the report, you'll see that. Um, if we break that, which would also be breaking this trend line, then I can see us falling quite a ways. I mean, all the way back to uh, roughly probably 6,200, something like that. And that would be a 30% decline. So I think that's probably in the cards, but of course I was calling a retrace all the way back down to 4,200, which never quite materialized. So uh, just be careful here. We're, we're looking like we're getting up to a top and, you know, passing 9,000 yesterday and then quickly falling, um, that could be a good sign that, you know, we're going to tap onto 9,000 and then finally break it. Uh, or it could be a bad sign that we're getting close to that 10,000 round number. There's lots of cells between 9,000 and 10,000. Um, so uh, just just be very careful up here. Uh, there's also a bearish divergence on the RSI. So, uh, you know, that's a higher high in price, but a lower high in the RSI momentum. So, uh just be careful up here. This doesn't uh, look like a place that I would want to be entering along. All right, let's talk about difficulty. Finally, we've had some movement uh, on the website. If you guys go to the website, I do have a difficulty page on there that I've been keeping updated um, with a chart and everything. We hit an all-time high difficulty just by a little bit. It's Awesome. This is great news. Uh, that means that the miners are liking this price increase. They have more headroom to bring back on their uh, hash rate because, you know, it was below the all-time high hash rate. So they there was some idle uh, 
hash rate sitting around waiting to get added back on. So uh, this is a good thing. That means we now we are uh, we've taken all of the slack out of the hash rate and uh, we're looking forward. But but the price what was the bottom? Thirty two hundred, thirty one hundred, uh, and we hit nine thousand. That's almost a three x increase in price. But the hash rate has only gone up about 50%, roughly. So there is a lot of room to go. Hash rate is already starting to lag the price, which is the typical characteristic in, the, in a bull market. This pattern is already emerging. But be, just be aware of that, that the hash rate has not uh, completely kicked off as much as the price has. Uh, so there are differing... Um, things involved here. So one of the theories that I had a while back during the, when the price had already crashed uh, back in the beginning of 2018, but hash rate kept going up. I was like, well, these guys are hedged, right? So they, they have so already sold their future Bitcoin uh, out six months or whatever, uh, three months that you can do on uh, regular retail exchanges. CME is a, a little bit further out but uh, that's not a physical delivery type future. So there could be OTC deals where these these uh, miners are hedging their coins further out, and so they continue to add hash rate uh, throughout that period. Um, this could be very similar. So they were hedged lower, right? Um, they were hedged out lower, like at 3,500 for a long period of time, about three months. And now that we've been above that for three months or so, these, the hash rates starting to come back on because maybe they've sold, uh, they've hedged out at, at these at these levels. So there's a lot of different things that can go on here. Uh, but uh, just to bring this to your attention, if anything develops, if you guys have any questions, I have a Q&A episode coming out soon. Uh, if you guys have any questions, hit me up on Twitter or Discord and uh, ask those and I will see if I can answer them uh, specifically about difficulty, but about everything too. So, um, all right, let's go on to, let's hit lightning stats. So every, I mean, the big news items in Bitcoin, if you are relatively new to this, uh, to this space, the big news items are uh, layer two scaling and price. Um, and mining because people are interested in mining it's something new that they're not used to in like say traditional assets uh, so that those are kind of the top items that i hit here on the show uh, let's see so bitcoinvisuals.com forward slash lightning you can see all of these charts that i'm looking at right here uh, node count is slightly ticking up uh, but if you just look at these charts, especially the nodes, the channels, and the capacity, um, you'll see this lightning plateau, I've been calling it, very well defined. So we had this great exponential growth going into roughly the one-year uh, anniversary of the mainnet lightning launch, um, and then we've plateaued since then. There, there has been this argument that... Um, you know, there was this excess capacity and excess um, uh, interest going into the one year, uh, kind of artificial into the one year anniversary. And so we're kind of uh, leveling out while 
the actual demand catches up. I think that's that's plausible. I also think that there's going to be these spurts of growth uh, in Lightning. So uh, as we uh, see the price go up, fees go up uh, during different periods, uh, then or there's maybe some really cool new advancement that comes out in Lightning or a new application, then we'll see interest pick up, we'll see an exponential spurt, and then it will level off again. Um, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be like just dominoes speeding up and there's this exponential S-curve of adoption of lightning. Uh, it's very similar to everything else. I saw a, I saw an image on Twitter the other day. I don't remember who sent it out. I don't think it was a, ver a large account or anything. But um, they were showing that possibly the larger S-curve is made up of many smaller S-curves. So uh, each kind of cycle in Bitcoin is an S-curve in itself. All right. And I think that's very intriguing idea. Um, it's articulated like I've had similar thoughts for many years, uh, but I've never been able to like articulate it like that. Um, and uh, I think that's that's very insightful. So uh, Lightning Network might go through the same thing. So each new application has a new kind of user base that it kind of takes over. And then that has its own little mini S curve followed, you know, by the plateau at the top of the S curve. And then we go through another cycle. So we'll see. So right now, the number of nodes still picking up slightly. This is the one metric that has been showing the most continual growth or consistent growth. It's roughly 5% a month, give or take, even during this plateau. But it was up there at like 20% a month uh, during the real big run-up. And so, okay, uh, that's that's nodes. Channels, slightly down. Uh, we're sitting at roughly 33,000 channels, which is pretty great. But, uh, you know, this is showing a marked plateau and even a slight decrease in, in the number of channels. I mean, this, this could be expected. So somebody opens up their light or they start their lightning node. And they open up like 10 channels because it's cool or the fees are really low so they can uh, open and close channels at will. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but as we've seen recently, fees have gotten slightly higher uh, up to on-chain. That's on-chain fees have gotten slightly higher up to about two bucks or so. And so people might not be playing around making all of these channels. Maybe these um, kind of OG lightning people aren't toying around with it as much and so they're not creating a lot of new channels for no reason they have gotten theirs set up and they're well connected and they're ready to go so this number of channels is understandably flat then we have network capacity um, the dollar capacity continues to grow with the price but the number of bitcoins in the lightning network is really rock solid at a thousand uh, between a thousand and one thousand and fifty bitcoins Right now, that uh, dollar value is $8.8 million. Uh, and, you know, this is one of those things that I've said, if you guys have listened to the show, when we get up to that $100 million capacity mark, I think the Lightning Network is going to see a lot of merchant adoption or a lot more merchant adoption. We might see some dominoes start going there um, just simply because there's more value to be captured. I'm just saying that a lot of people um, won't 
be looking into this until there's much more activity, much more value to be captured on the Lightning Network, especially like businesses, okay? Like a business, uh, $8 million total in the entire world is on Lightning Network equivalent in Bitcoin. So when when a company is thinking about what should I be building right now or working on, and they look at $8 million like market, quote unquote, market cap or uh, uh, economy size, ecosystem size, they're like, that's not enough value for me because maybe they put, um, you know, 50 man hours into doing something and they're only going to make like 500 bucks off of it. So um, this, it's not, it's not there yet. Um, When they're that million dollar, hundred million dollar mark, I think is going to signal to a lot of people that it's, it's growing quickly. And especially that $1 billion mark, when we, when lightning network passes that $1 billion mark for capacity equivalent, um, it's, it's going to be a really big deal. And a lot of people are going to be looking at it. Nobody in their right mind is that is accepting Bitcoin is not also going to be accepting lightning, having their own channels, well-funded channels and stuff like that. So um, I think the future is bright, but that's, that's kind of my thoughts on uh, the lightning network at this time. All right. So overall, very, very positive prices going up, hash rates going up. Um, developments are coming out like crazy. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Optech newsletter that talks about some of these um, developments and discussions uh, going on with Bitcoin. Of course, the core development is not the only one we need to be concerned about. It's also the lightning development, the business development, all sorts of things uh, on that side. The happening is less than a year away now. So uh, everything is looking up and up for Bitcoin. Now, the only thing I'll say here, because I do, I am calling for this correction uh, because price doesn't go up in a straight line. It's not that easy. Whales and others that uh, have a uh, higher than average influence on the price, they make money going both ways. Also, the big institutions that are coming in, they don't want to buy you know, as the price is running away, they will wait or they will try to manipulate the price down um, and panic people. They will even uh, go into the news and have news items that uh, will scare the public. So they are, they can kind of manufacture this correction. They can't manufacture the end goal of this bull market. The bull market's going up, but they can manufacture a correction. And so I think that that's what we're looking at. Whether it's 30 to 50%, somewhere in there, I would be, I would be happy with because, um, you know, you, you can't go up in a straight line and when people panic, plus, I mean, these altcoins are starting to pump as well, which I didn't want to touch on much today, uh, but the altcoins are pumping again. And so, you know, you got to wreck those people a little bit. It's not going to be that easy. Let's get on to news because there's been this culture war going on in Bitcoin and or at least talk about a culture war. There is no Bitcoin culture. Uh, Bitcoin is what you make of it. It's what you see. I wanted to run down this situation really quickly, just give my perspective, because this is one of the reasons why I even started this podcast, because I saw these, this social attack vector 
for Bitcoin. And when you talk about this culture and SJWs and stuff trying to come in here, then, uh, you know, that is exactly that. It's, it's a social attack on Bitcoin. And so I have to say something about it, but okay. So this all started with, as far as I know, with a, an account sooner or later, Suna is the co-founder of Token Daily, so she seems to be a shitcoiner. I don't know much about her, uh, but I can confidently say that being a co-founder of Token Daily, she probably doesn't understand monetary economics very well. Uh, she believes in digital barter uh, with these tokens, and so she is a shitcoiner. Let's see what she had to say here. Um... So she said first that a few bright Ethereum core developers, I want to emphasize that, Ethereum core developers, have personally confided in me that they turned to ETH after feeling antagonized by the Bitcoin community. Play the long game or you will lose talent. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Because I've been asked, Tour Demeester started this, but I, I've been kind of doing this as well asking where are the pedigreed protocol developers for Ethereum? She specifically says Ethereum core developers. Well, where are they? You know, show them to me. There's also been other tweets out there recently that are talking about Ethereum having a problem keeping developers, especially the top developers. I'm also hearing some rumors that some of the like um, ERC20 guys that big projects are having trouble keeping people, even founders. They're having trouble keeping founders. So yeah, <laughs> bright Ethereum core developers. Where are they? Which ones? Show me. I don't believe it in the first place, but even if it were true, that's okay because Bitcoin is a meritocracy. If the number 50th you know, if you could measure something like that, the, if the number 50th best developer gets uh, peeved that he wasn't respected or listened to uh, to the degree that he feels that he should have been or she, whatever, and they leave to start some ERC-20 BS on Ethereum, great, good. I mean, that's how Ethereum even started, right? Vitalik was told to take a hike because Bitcoin wouldn't make changes for his colored coins idea. Um, so he went and started Ethereum, at, which turned out to be the largest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. <laughs> and and the, the Ponzi that births other Ponzi's to keep itself alive. Uh, but anyway, so show me these bright Ethereum core developers that have been turned away from Bitcoin or antagonized, uh, it just doesn't happen. You can be anonymous, right? Be anonymous. Plus, you know, it's the top of the top cryptographers and the top of the top cypherpunks. It's a, it's a small circle. It's a very small circle. That's why I'm sure somebody knows who Satoshi is for sure. And, uh, you know, like somebody that bright, uh, doesn't just pop up and nobody knows who they are. But anyway, so my whole thing is show me show me these Ethereum developers that are so great. Uh, show me something by pedigreed. I mean something that they did outside of Ethereum, right? That they're well known for outside of Ethereum before they came into Ethereum. Like just show me something. I don't think you can. 
Nobody's ever been able to do that. Okay, so that aside, who cares? The best developers, I mean, it's a meritocracy. They, and hey, if you don't like it, like, that's okay. That's that's part of the defense of this code base, right? It's it's the first line of defense, actually. Um, and it's also a defense uh, a, for these uh, people with these unfounded ideas coming and talking to, quite frankly, technologically illiterate people. And so they say, oh, we're going to blockchain all the things. We're going to tokenize the world sooner or later from Token Daily. We're going to tokenize the world. And they don't understand that that is a farce, right? And so uh, to protect these people, then you have to uh, chase some people away. And you know what? If if you chase one good person away out of 100, that's okay because you 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 know, saved the people from 99 scammers. So anyways, uh, then this Lee Kuen, she is a contributor to Coindesk. So she is, has a sensationalist bone in her body. And this is what she says about sooner or later. I hear this all the time, especially from women. I'll die on this hill that Bitcoiners can learn constructive social lessons from this. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, whatever. I'll take that under advisement. Thank you very much. Let's move on because it's just silly, man. It's silly. There's a lot of non-developers out there. And that was my response to this that I, I tweeted at her quite soon after she she made her tweet um just think of all the anon contributors as women or do you automatically think of them as men question mark because yeah I mean, she's obviously biased herself and there's a lot of pseudonymous or anon contributors so why get your uh undies in a wad over this i don't i don't <laughs> Uh, like you, you, here's the thing. Like if you, if you have a team and you are, I don't know, picking a team for basketball, uh, you're not going to pick and you want to win, right? You're not going to pick, uh, people based on their identity, right? Their, their, uh, gender or their orientation or, uh, anything like that. You're going to pick based on if they can fucking play basketball, right? And so uh, it's just silly to bring gender at all into this. Uh, then the next one was Neil Woodfine. Uh, so he spoke about this. And I don't know, Neil, if you still listen to the show, but you have been a longtime listener, I believe, at least back in like 2016, 17, you listened to the show. Anyways, um, he had this great tweet, and I'm going to find it here. It was a tweet storm that got everybody's feathers ruffled. It was great. I'm going to read it because it was so damn good. Uh, okay. Bitcoin deals with money, separating money from the state, managing people's life savings. People's livelihoods depend on it. The path of civilization is altered by the money it's built on. Dangerous, risky stuff. A lot is on the line. In addition to this, the vast majority of the industry surrounding Bitcoin is comprised of scammers and their 
agnostic enablers, fraudsters, and charlatans that knowingly exploit the lack of understanding in this new technology to profit handsomely at others' expense. Bitcoin industry culture is therefore necessarily one of extreme skepticism, cynicism, rigorous review, and forthright language, regardless of whether you're discuss discussing Bitcoin development, business, or economics, no one is safe. Bitcoin is better for it. Dangerous products are rooted out quickly. Catastrophic losses are avoided. People know what's private and what's not. Damage caused by scammers is strictly limited. Dead ends are avoided early. Progress is sustainable. The system keeps running. If you're unhappy with Bitcoin culture, sorry, you're the problem. Bitcoin is better off without you. You're not cut out for the challenges ahead. You are not good under pressure. You're not, you're too sensitive and you lack conviction. Boom! Fucking fire, man. Neil, excellent, excellent job. This is perfect. I also, this, the last, where I stopped there, number five, uh, was the most controversial. I think it was if you're unhappy with Bitcoin culture, sorry, you're the problem. I just want you to note that there's not one mention of gender in this thread. Not one. Not one single mention of gender. But of course, they take it that way. Because, like, it's not good enough if you are simply a meritocracy, if you're hyper-vigilant, you know, that that is not good enough. You must bow down and claim to be uh, sensitive. Then this all blew up because uh, John Newberry, great contributor to Bitcoin, um, recent contributor to Bitcoin. I think he started around 2017 or so. He started contributing, but he's done some great work and uh, his contributions are invaluable. So thank you for that. But, you know, he's like, there's not enough women or Asians represented and da 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 da. Oh man. So then it kind of all spiraled downhill with Samson Mao saying something. Then the blue mat said that, you know, Samson is and Neil and other people at Blockstream are the problem, bringing all up these old wounds from when it was this Blockstream conspiracy for scaling and yada, yada, yada. So, uh, it, and the blue mat, he's also very, very good contributor to Bitcoin, uh, for not just, uh, like the protocol stuff, but uh, the other things around it, like better hash for mining and, and things like that. He's invaluable contributor as well. Uh, but there's just all of these people, well-known influential people in Bitcoin development going at each other over this. And I thought it was pretty fascinating, pretty funny a lot of times. Um, I commented on some of it on Twitter, uh, but the bottom line here is there is no Bitcoin culture. Culture is what you make of it. If all of these non-people, if Satoshi was a woman, would you still have these these this problem? So anyway, I could rant on forever about that. That's pretty much where I'm going to wrap it up and leave it today, guys. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for sticking with the podcast. I was gone last week, but don't forget to sign up for the Fundamentals Report. Every Friday that comes out, uh, you'll get that in your inbox. It will have my charts and um, some commentary. If you want to support the show, go to BitcoinMarkets.com forward slash Patreon. You can also join the Discord. Lots of stuff going on. Trying to build this community up, this brand up. Thank you.
feel free to reach out anytime. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace.